What if you had a guide who could tell you how to bridge a gap between who you are today and who you're destined to be? What if each week you could hear a story of someone who has tried and succeeded, or perhaps tried and failed, but learned something in the process? Limitless Spirit is a weekly podcast where host Helen Todd interviews guests about topics and personal stories on defining life's purpose, pursuing personal growth, and developing a deeper faith in Christ. Our fourth son was born with massive disabilities. And so I slid into a pit of despair. And then when he was about two and a half months old, I had a girlfriend who was a Christian invite me to a Christmas luncheon. At the end, I said, I don't know if I should pray for this baby or pray for me. So all these grandmotherly types came and laid hands around me, came around me. But I felt joy for three days, which I would say was impossible. It was like a miracle after, you know, a couple of months of just misery on the inside. And so it was enough to kind of say, okay, let's see how this works. Welcome to this episode of the Limitless Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Todd. This episode starts the new series, Hope Rising. Hope is the most essential part of the human soul, but it is also the most fragile. It is constantly challenged by the outside circumstances and also by our inner struggles. Faith in Christ introduces us to a different kind of hope, the hope that is immune to both. It gives us the kind of hope that does not shrink in the face of adversity, but that rather helps you press through. It's the kind of hope that drives you forward on the path that goes right through the very center of God's will for your life. The kind of hope that motivates you to cherish every day as a precious opportunity. All through the Bible, we see the glimpses of this hope. For example, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and the future. Or Romans 12, 12, Be joyful in hope patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Psalm 147, 11, the Lord delights in those who fear him and put their hope in his unfailing love. But how does one obtain this kind of hope? Does it come to a person automatically at the moment of salvation? Is it a skill that is learned and practiced? In the next few weeks, we will explore the stories that may help us answer some of these questions. At least I hope. My guest on this episode is Laurel Hobbs. Laurel is from Canada. She's a wife, a mother, and a grandmother who recently finished her first book, Broken and Made Whole. Laurel's story is not unusual, but in some ways very profound. It is a great illustration of how the kingdom of God works in our midst. Things that appear broken to the world are perfect in God's sight, and vice versa. A pit of despair, in fact, can be a source of eternal hope. Are you feeling hopeless today? Or perhaps you know someone who is. Or maybe you need a boost of encouragement. I believe this episode is perfect for you. Hello, Laurel. Welcome to the Limitless Spirit Podcast. How are you today? 
I'm great. And you? I'm doing wonderful. I am looking forward to our conversation. And before we uh, jump into talking about your newly released book, Broken and Made Whole, we're going to talk about you. So how did you come to know Jesus? A crisis. Crisis does amazing things. I was what I would call a fairly typical North American secular, I thought, in control of my life, mother, wife. Life seemed good or manageable. And uh, then um, our fourth son was born with massive disabilities. And so I slid into a pit. I would call it a pit of despair. I just thought, no, no. The uh, the idea of, uh, you know, having a disabled child forever was something I could not do. And and yet I had these three older boys who, of course, needed a mother. And so I wasn't allowed to fall apart. And we w- went through requisite hospital visits. And, and then I even tried alternate health specialists who tended to overpromise and not deliver. Yeah, just about anything I could try, I tried. And then when he was about two and a half months old, I had a girlfriend who was a a Christian invite me to a Christmas luncheon with a a group of women who met midweek in a home. And I was not terribly interested at that point. But then she said, you know, Laurel, uh, she and her husband adopted a little girl who turned out to have cerebral palsy, which is loosely what Jack had, although he had other things wrong. Uh, And they went to a prayer meeting with a handful of people who were believers and spent, you know, like three hours praying and over issues and over the child. And over the next three months, she was completely healed. And I was like, huh, really? And she said, yeah, and here's the news. That little girl is now grown up and about to get married. She's a physiotherapist. I was like, really? And the fact that the the woman hosting was the wife of a judge helped me. I thought, okay, so she's not quirky, quacky, you know, weird. Uh, So I went to the meeting and, um, you know, they did a kind of a standard Christmas thing. And I was just kind of looking around. I had taken Jack with me. And um, at the end, I said, so I don't know if I should pray for this baby or pray for me, or in fact, I don't think I know how to pray. And I just burst into tears. So all these grandmotherly types came and laid hands around me, came around me. It was really lovely, actually. And, and, uh, you know, they asked if if they could pray and and uh, sort of launched into long prayer. And I left right after that because I had to go and pick up kids from school. But I felt joy for three days, which I would say was impossible. It was like a miracle after, you know, a couple of months, well, almost three months of just misery on the inside, thinking I can't, I can't, I can't. And so it was enough to kind of say, okay, let's see how this works. And then about five days later, the woman who had hosted the meeting phoned me and said, you know, Laurel, are you willing to pray a prayer with me on the phone? I thought, okay. 
And and she sort of rattled through a quick prayer and she said, you're going to repeat it after me. Okay, you know, you know, Jesus, I look to you as my Lord and Savior. I do. I repent of all the things I've ever done wrong. And and I ask for forgiveness and welcome you into my heart and life and um, lead me, guide me, help me, you know, fill me. And, And so I prayed that prayer thinking, really weird. Do people actually pray on the phone? <laughs> I just thought, was this that religious? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it didn't really matter to me. I mean, the joy was enough to hold me to the course. And she said something very funny. She said, I want you to start praying for parking spaces, good parking spaces. And I said, what? She said, yeah, you know, prayer, you know, it's like a muscle, like a faith muscle that needs to be exercised. And it'll, it'll probably start to show you that he is actually hearing and answering. So I did do that. And to this day, I still get really good parking spots. But um, more to the point, she invited me to what I didn't know is this was a weekly group. And so I started to uh, attend. And at the beginning, didn't understand most of what they were talking about. They would read, a, they were in a you know particular book, and <laughs> they happened to be in the book of Hebrews, which I really didn't understand. But they were wonderful to me. I mean, all these older women who kind of were thrilled to have a young mother in their uh, group, and they discipled me. And then eventually, uh, a few months later, I attended my first, I watched my first water baptism, and I was a basket case in that. So I knew the Holy Spirit was saying, you get in there and do the same. And then they took me out to the Toronto Blessing just to see who the women's minister had turned into because some of them knew the leader of the women's ministry before she got saved. (laughs) These were older women who'd been around the loop a few times. And so that led me to go to the first healing conference in 1994 at the, uh, then it was called the airport church. Today it's Catch the Fire. And, you know, 4,000 pastors and ministers and priests from all over the world wanting a touch from God. And I just saw incredible manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Incredible. I mean, miracles, it looked like wind blowing, but it would lead to holy laughter and shakings. And it was just a really, really strange for me. But did you witness any physical healings? Lots, lots. Things were happening everywhere simultaneously. I remember particular one older man, I'd say he was at least 70, uh, in a suit, and he fell off his chair and was in the aisle laughing. And they, uh, you know, I was kind of looking and, and the people around me said, you don't know how straight that guy is. You know, British vicar, straight as an arrow. This is definitely outside his character. <laughs> so, so a lot of things like that, physical, emotional it was as if the Lord was saying, I'm here. I'm bigger than you think I am. I mean, we watched uh, people on the worship team get frozen. Uh, I mean, it was just a really, really strange, but wonderful strange uh, happening. And so, you know, you put all those things together and it and um, I, I really became an avid seeker. Did it not freak you out at all? I was so desperate, I didn't care. You know, desperation is, it. it's, and I will say, I had to almost put my intellectual mind on a shelf. 
even in the women's groups, uh, you know, the early ones, because they would be reading about demons. And I had never really read the Bible and and uh, talking about the truth of the word. And I, I would sit there and think, do they really believe this? You know, it it just seemed even then it was like, wow, I think they really do believe that demons exist. Do I believe demons? You know, it was really a, a stretch on on many levels. And but um, the thing that happened in that conference, which was really incredible, is that it would look like there was this wind blowing through a field of wheat and and sort of two or three people deep. And wherever it went in in this room of 4000 people, uh, people would either laugh or fall off their chair or cry or something would happen. And you could see it. You could see the impact. And it went by me and and the women who took me all started to laugh and nothing happened to me. Nothing. And I was like, oh, you know, boy, do I feel left out. Anyway, the next morning when I was driving in, I started to cry and I said, you know, Lord, I guess I'm just too depressed to laugh. So I went to the meeting and, and there we are. And it started again. And somehow my heart sank. It was like being the only one not drunk when you're, you know, at a party with a bunch of drunks. And I was like, okay, this is awful. And it came by us and I burst into laughter. I mean, it made no sense at all. And it was like he was saying, I am bigger than your problems. You know, somehow he broke through. So then I, you know, joined the ministry team and started to get the training and started to clean up my act and uh, really became hungry for the word, bought myself a Bible in the year book, started to follow it. And um, I will say I still am, you know, the intellectual part of me loves the word. I love the word and and the way Old Testament and New Testament fold together. And um, he speaks to me through his word. And, um, you know, when I was a brand new believer, I did hear his voice once, scared me so bad uh, that, you know, okay, now I know you're real. (laughs) Don't do that again. It was so scary. It was so loud. It felt like the whole house was going to fall down. But I think he had, you know, again, I I, I think I had so many blockages, if you want to call it that, that he had to do something radical to get my attention. And then for a while, it was dreams. My dreams would talk to me. And then slowly, uh, you know, um, I think it was the Sanfords, John Sanford, who, who was considered a prophet, said, ask the Holy Spirit for, you know, after you pray and worship and all that, ask him for scripture references, write them down and journal out of that. So I started doing that. And that was an amazing thing. Like he really started to speak to me that way. And then eventually, eventually I started to hear his voice on the inside. Now, I I want to uh, point something out. So you told me in our previous conversation that you had a dream about Jack even before he was born. So you had a dream about his disability. So it is safe to say that God started speaking to you way before you started speaking to him. No question. And I would say to anybody, it says it in the word, you know, I didn't choose him. He chose me for whatever reason. And and uh, I'm eternally grateful. I will be eternally grateful. Uh, absolutely. I, I mean, 
really my salvation is a miracle. I'm the only one. I was the first one in our family uh, to have that experience. And I only found out a number of years later that both my parents had said the sinner's prayer as young teenagers separately. And neither of them knew the other one had done it. But there was no discipling. You know, it hadn't really been followed up on. My mom was 13 at a Billy Graham crusade. My dad uh, was a 16-year-old on a bus. A man evangelized him. Uh, Both of them were fatherless. Uh, So in many ways, I feel like the Lord redeemed their prayers through their grandson. And 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 I was so radically impacted. I phoned all my direct family members, including my mom and dad, and this is how I learned this, uh, to say, you know, I really want you to say the sinner's prayer because I really want you to be in heaven. And they're all like, okay. <laughs> you know, it was really not a very hard thing. And I think because I had Jack and because it was such an obvious tragedy, whatever you want to call it, for, you know, it appeared to be so. Uh, that people were would not bother me about my faith or going to church, nor would they really question it. You know, they were just happy I was keeping together, I think. So now you're exposed to this power of the miraculous and the healing. So naturally, in your mind, I would imagine you want that for Jack at that very moment. Absolutely. And so I start reading everything I could about healing prayer, saints long gone, uh, current uh, healing evangelists, you know, you name it, I probably read it and uh, found a little Charles Capps book that talked about praying the word. So I would uh, use that usually twice a day to pray over Jack. Now, I will say he had several healings, you know, of different dimensions, you know, a head to toe eczema disappeared after that one was a dream. Actually, he he gave me a key in a dream. Um, Even opening his eyes, I started praying for that and and totally messed up the doctors because they said three functions went together. One of them was opening the eyes. So that's the only function that worked. So that was a little strange. Um, The big one was his hip. I was told when he was five, he would need major hip surgery and they would have to, uh, because it was coming out of joint and which apparently is typical for cerebral palsy and spasticity. And so they were going to, uh, take the ball and socket apart, put it back in, cut the femur, you know, after and cut some tendons and things. And, and it would have been a body cast. And I was, you know, you can't do that to, uh, nonverbal child like this is going to be a journey from hell plus he was heavy and so I just no I have to pray I have to pray first time I went back the doctor was kind I went back to this orthopedic surgeon who's now the I believe the head of orthopedic surgery at sick kids hospital when I went back it was a little bit worse and he was like okay so let's book the surgery I've never seen this get better ever this is normal protocol and I was like, no, 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 no. And I'd been praying so much. It was like, no, not yet. No, no, I'm not ready. And I went back and uh, put Jack down for a nap. And I I got on my knees and started to cry and said, Lord, I have been praying night and day. Where are you? And I heard 
just a little take a nap. And I, you know, I have to admit, I kind of rolled my eyes, went, okay, lay down and fell asleep for about five minutes. As I woke up, I heard him say, your prayers are not enough. And it was the first time I realized I can't do this all by myself. I need other believers. It's not going to happen. Just me, me and Jesus. It sometimes it does, but it, uh, you know, it says if two of you agree as pertaining to any, anything. So uh, a little after that, Benny Hinn was in town and one of the first spiritual mothers I had at this women's group and I went down together. Her, I told her the situation. Her husband had just been diagnosed with prostate cancer. So we together prayed for her husband and, uh, and, and Jack. It took five years for his hip to be completely restored. But God did it. Her husband was healed as well. Uh, yeah, from then on, every time I went, his hip would be a little better, a little better, a little better. And I used a, a scripture out of Hebrews. I think it's Hebrews that um, that it it says, uh, you know, pray so that one what is lame will not be dislocated. So I used that specific scripture a lot, and it really baffled the doctor. The resident refused to come in. He just thought it was too weird. I was absolutely elated. And that that began a journey of nothing is impossible. You know, he he wants to heal us. He wants to deliver us. And, and you know, I was on the ministry team at that stage. And so I had seen many miracles. Often the quick miracles happen to unbelievers, I think, to pull them in. Um, you know, it's his mercy and compassion and so on. And I think more seasoned believers need to press in to find out what it is he's asking or showing or telling or whatever. So, yeah, I saw mir- many miracles. We, I didn't see the big miracle, um, but I also think that was my lack of faith. I kept putting it in the future. And um, I realize today, uh, well, even after, you know, he was gone, that I was doing that. Somehow it was too big for me to wrap my brain around. So, you know, Jesus says, if you have faith and you believe in your heart that you'll, you know, when you're praying, you will receive what you say. And and I realized in my heart, I actually didn't believe Jack would walk and talk. It's hard to say what is what, but I also realized if Jack had been healed completely, uh, I would have been pouring all my energy into uh, getting him up to speed in life you know, academically and language and everything. As it was, I um, was able to go on some short-term missions with you, with WMA, and also with uh, the church and and End Time Handmaidens. And when he was gone, I realized, you know, all of a sudden I had this whole world out there and I had a story to tell. And he was saying, I want you to tell your story. So, you know, that's, that's what I'm doing. And I will say his exit was as kind as it possibly could be. He forewarned me twice, once in a dream, once in a flash vision. And, and then the morning um, he stopped breathing. We actually had a prayer meeting in the house. And all, all of us were commenting on the intensity of the presence of the Lord in, in our home. And he was here. 
And and so, you know, we were all going, what is it, Lord? Like, what, what? And and no, we didn't have any sense of what it was. So, you know, we were like, praise the Lord, whatever it is, it's all good. And uh, he had his lunch, lay down for his nap. And 45 minutes later, you know, at the end of the CD, he liked to relax and listen to his, um, this uh, Christian CD. I went in and he was absolutely blue and really never came to again. You know, we got to the hospital. I had time to text everybody, all all of his brothers and everybody showed up. And uh, we had time together, privately and together to say goodbye, sang some songs, sang Amazing Grace, a few other things and um, turned off the machine, not a blip. I mean, you couldn't tell before or after. The Lord told me the morning of his funeral, I wasn't sure if I could say anything. The Lord told me to wear a white pantsuit, which sort of amused me, uh, and uh, to tell people what happened. Because he said people will misinterpret. So I did. And um, the minister that I had do it uh, said, you know, Laurel asked me to be as open as I could be about the gospel. So, and basically he led the entire place uh, in the sinner's prayer. <laughs> it sounded like everybody was saying it. I'm sure they didn't totally understand, but it was very, the whole thing was very moving and, and it was a huge funeral. I, I was shocked actually, but he was like a walking billboard. He touched a lot more people than I thought. He was a walking billboard. Everybody knew Jack. Everybody knew our family. We have a ramp in front of our house. And, you know, we, he loved going for walks. So he was a walking billboard. Yeah. So so the book is he's he's still talking. <laughs> Amen to that. So has has your faith been at any point challenged as you desired his healing, you know, and you pressed in? Have you? had that low moment where like, God, are you hearing me? I don't think I quite went there, but, you know, obviously after there's this, you know, now what? Uh, and, and I was at the cottage alone and it was a very cold, wet summer, which was excellent because nobody came. And I, so I was alone a lot. Bob was working and, um, this mother duck came up with three little fluff balls and uh, I saw that her leg was damaged. And so I ran up and got bread and fed them. And they sat at my feet on the rock about a foot away all that day. And the sun started to go down and I'm like, Oh Jesus, please don't let them be lunch for some local weasel or Fox in the morning. I didn't see them. I was slightly alarmed and, and, uh, and then once I went down with my Bible and water, and I realized she was me. You know, this wounded mother duck still had three little fluff balls. He was watching over me and would feed me, and it was okay. So as the summer went on, you know, other ducks started to clue in that there was food at my house, and they would all come. I uh, and I was praying for her healing. And I sent a, I sent a text to my family saying, okay, you know, I, I, I love healing prayer, but now I'm praying for a duck. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I, about a month later, I sent a picture. I, was, I said, my congregation has grown from mother and three fluff balls. I have 28 ducks now. <laughs> 
you know, it was sort of a kind scenario that helped me over the hump. And then right after um, two pastors in our church asked me to go uh, uh, to a school of ministry. And, and my part was to talk about the mother heart of God. And uh, I thought, well, I guess it's time. And, you know, my husband was invited to go along. So that was sort of a doorway back to life. And um, yeah. And, and so, you know, I was free and I, you know, I could do things I hadn't done before. And, you know, his older brothers were all at university and launched into life. So um, yeah, free to go with World Mission Alliance to Thailand and all sorts of exciting <laughs> And so now comes the book, uh, which, like you said, it's in a way Jack continuing to speak even in his death. And so what would you say is the main message of the book, Broken and Made Whole, that our, our listeners could learn about? I would say it's the Lord's invitation. You know, it's whosoever will come and be part of my desire to extend healing and deliverance to broken, a broken world, broken individuals. And, um, you know, I told uh, one man who uh, advised the Pope on the charismatic Roman Catholic movement that Jack reminded me of the church. You know, all the parts are there. They just don't work together. And and I really feel like, you know, that's sort of almost my life message. We don't want a disabled church. We want to be part of a living body and um, everybody doing their part. And then it's possible. You can be nobody. You can start at any stage in life. God is more than able to take what you give him and make something wonderful out of it. And, you know, I look back, I think, you know, my life probably would have been pretty boring. You know, I would have had emptiness syndrome as a, you know, mother who's lost all her chicks. And, but instead it was, you know, Jack's, uh, I like to call it his graduation because he was 19 and would have been graduating from high school. But it was like he graduated to move on and I graduated to a different stage. So, you know, the way I look at it is that. Jack was sent to this earth for your healing. You know, he may have appeared broken to the world, but he brought wholeness into your life because it, it seems like if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't have pressed on for God. You wouldn't have been seeking him. Um, and so, you know, the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. What appears broken to the world is perfect and whole to God and vice versa. And so I think that his life is just an illustration of that. You thought he was broken, but in God's eyes, he was perfect. He was absolutely perfect because if it was not for him, you would not be where you are now. And I can't even imagine how many lives your book can touch you know it is such an even for me you know as I'm listening to you I may not have the same journey I do not have a disabled child but it is a so relevant story to every every single soul because we're all broken in one way or the other until we allow God to heal us and then once he does we have the power to do this for others you know this is uh this is the most beautiful 
uh, story and testimony. Well, I can't wait to read your book, Laurel. <laughs> um, and uh, we're going to make sure that there is a link in our show notes. Of course, it is available on Amazon. And so we'll just post a link to that so that they can easily order your book. Uh, but I, I look forward to more adventures together with you on the mission field, Laurel, because your story should go worldwide that story needs to be told and it, it will relate in every nation, in every tongue. Um, it's the story of broke, broken and being made whole applies to every single person, man, woman, child, old person, young person. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing it. Proverbs twenty three eighteen says, there is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. In God's upside-down kingdom, what we see as broken, God sees as an open door to show you His love, mercy, and grace. I know that you have been encouraged and inspired by Laurel's story. To read more about her story, you can find her book, Broken and Made Whole. It's available on Amazon. It has a Kindle edition. We'll post a link in the show notes of this episode. I want to mention that these series are leading to the World Missions Alliance Conference at the end of March, and the theme of the conference is Hope Rising. I invite you to attend on March 29th, 30th, and 31st in Branson, Missouri. You can find out more about this event and register on our website, rfwma.org. Until next time, I'm Helen Todd. Limitless Spirit Podcast is produced by World Missions Alliance. We believe that changed lives change lives. If you want to see your life transformed by Christ's love, or if you want to help those who are hurting and hopeless and discover your greater purpose in serving Christ through short-term missionary work, check out our website, rfwma.org, and find out how to get involved.